Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. I mean, I asked if you were ready, and then you dropped an F-bomb almost instantly. What's with your language lately? It's been very foul. And as your work, uh, I'm going to say, I was going to say dad, but I think Chris is the dad. As your work mom, I don't appreciate it. I'm a really rambunctious uh, dude. I, like, it's not a big deal, man. Like, everyone, you know, I, I don't get it. Like, I guess we, I, I get we have to be professional on here. Very, um, it's a very professional platform. So I would never want to um, be unprofessional on this platform. So I, I really apologize to everyone for my language. Um, sorry, mom. Sorry, sorry, dad. Um, I guess both moms and dads that my work mom and dad and my real mom and dad. That's um, good. I think that's a sincere apology. I appreciate you being professional. What are your thoughts on gorilla? Welcome to On The Bench. I am your host for today's episode, Brendan Sinone, joined by Chris Nee, Zach Blostein, and a special return of the mailbag. It works better when Josh is here to do the mailbag, and then I can echo off of it. Chris won't do it. Zach looks hungover. It's a mailbag episode, and we haven't done one since uh, Josh left us. RIP, poor one out for Berg. Uh, but this is a, a season preview Type of type of mailbag. I think this is a good time to bring back the format, answer some of your guys' questions about the season coming up. Guys, it's football season. Like it starts in what four days, three days? It doesn't three matter. Days, it's soon. Soon. Uh, before we get to the mailbag and all the Knowles 24-7 listener questions, I am going to uh go over a few topics, a few timely tidbits of information. Although the first one's not super timely because we reported it, we broke it at Knowles 24-7 last week, but we just haven't talked about it on the podcast yet. And that's that Hiking Williams, five-star wide receiver, will be visiting the LSU-FSU neutral site game in a week from now. Uh, not this upcoming Sunday, Sunday from now. He'll be in attendance. Uh, Chris, I'm going to start with you, man. Uh, that seems just like a really significant development given his recruiting timeline. Yeah, you just got to keep getting yourself in front of them. Now, the issue is that at a neutral site, you're limited in what you're able to do. You're able to provide a ticket, but I think interaction is severely limited. So it's probably going to be a phone call before or a phone call after the game type of thing where he interacts with the staff. But it's just a matter of you just want to keep getting the kid in front of you. Stay in the front of his mind. He's supposed to see, I believe, Pitt and Texas A&M before his September decision. So FSU getting an opportunity in there, too, is a positive for them. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's huge. I don't. I don't think you land Hikey Williams if you don't get him 
uh, on campus before his end of September decision date. Um, like Chris mentioned, he's going to see Pitt. He's going to see Texas A&M, who plays Miami the weekend he's going, going out there. Um, Miami's another school in contention for him. Um, and I think Georgia is also a possibility of a place he can get to. Obviously, there's a limited amount of weekends before that that decision date. Um, but it's obviously huge um, for Florida State to, to get one of those visits locked down. Do we think that Florida State has to beat LSU or just show well? I mean, there has to be a component of like showing upward trajectory, but do you think that means winning to really be in legitimate contention for them? I think it would help, but I think being competitive and showing a passing attack is probably the two most important things. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, I think, I think winning obviously is what you want, right? Like, that would be huge for that recruitment. But I also think that, um, that, the passing attack is going to be a huge factor to Hakeem, right? Like that's been the biggest knock um, for receivers looking at Florida state in the past few years is that the passing attack has not been strong. It's not been a strength of the team. If they can show out against LSU, um, put up, put up some, some big yards in, in that department. I think that could impress Hakeem and his camp um, as they head into a decision just a few weeks after that game. I like the idea of pushing all your chips in on the table for him. I think you've done as well as you can if you're Florida State right now to, to give yourself a legitimate shot here. And now you just have to to win. And ultimately, if you don't win, and I'm not saying just beating LSU, but starting off strong uh, before that decision day, you have to show upward trajectory. If you do that, you have a chance. If not, it'll probably be hard to pull someone of that caliber. But you know, you've given yourself a, a legitimate chance. Uh, transitioning to this weekend in recruiting, fellas. So FSU opens the season on Saturday at 5 p.m., against Duquesne, the mighty Dukes of Duquesne, Duquesne Dukes. Uh, and there will be a handful of visitors in attendance. You are currently putting together a list that people can check out at Knowles 24-7. Actually, I think Zach just posted it. Uh, we don't have to go through the whole list. People who subscribe to Knowles 24-7 can check it out there. Uh, but but real quick for each of you, I'll start off with you, Zach. Who's like a someone that you saw that you were able to see on the list, confirm and say, this is someone I think is, is a nice little surprise or someone who's important to get uh, on campus for the first week of the season? I think Michael Mitchell, the running back out of Middleburg, Florida, committed to Utah right now. Um, Florida State has one running back committed in their 2023 recruiting class and four-star Samuel Singleton out of Fleming Island, who will also be on campus this weekend. But Michael Mitchell remains, I, I can. I talked to some sources, um, you know, close to, to, to the running back recruiting. And I think, I think that Michael Mitchell remains the lone remaining target in the high school ranks right now, obviously there could be guys that emerge uh, in, in, in their senior seasons, but um, Mike Mitchell's is, is definitely a priority for them. Um, the, the one holdup is the grade situation, which we've talked about um, there. He's trying to get things squared away. He took some summer courses um, to, to try and, you know, help out his, his GPA heading into his senior year. Um, that's trending in a positive direction. I was told uh, but we'll see. But but I think it's big to, to get him on campus this weekend as you look to try and make that flip. He's a really talented running back who's put up a ton of production out at Middleburg. So since I can't scale Mike Mitchell, since that one's already been taken, I'll go is with that who, Is that who you're going to go with, Chris? I mean, I think he's the most important name on that list because, one, it's the most present class, 23 class, and, two, he's a guy who is a high-priority target. Um, I would say Kunari Wilcher. He's a kid that camped with FSU back in June. He's a defensive back committed to Illinois. He's long. He's athletic. He fits the profile, kind of what they like at that spot. I think he's a kid they're keeping warm. I think it probably will still be the case after this weekend that they're just kind of keeping him warm. 
But the fact that he's showing back up on campus is a positive in the sense of if they get down the road and they want to add another DB or something changes with the trajectory of the def- defensive back room and the way they're recruiting it, he's a kid that they can kind of keep uh, tabs on, and he seems to have a mutual interest in them. I'm surprised you didn't go uh, L.J. McCray, your boy. Um, well, I, lo- I love McCray, but I was trying to kind of stick with the idea of 23s because they're more important. I mean, I actually the 24 group to me is more impressive than the 23 group because you got Danzy, really talented local speedster, Micah Danzy from Florida High. You got B.J. Gibson from South Georgia, Tennessee baseball commitment. He was at FSU previously, really talented kid. Uh, T.J. Moore is a kid I think they're evaluating to offer in the Tampa area wide receiver. Terrence Moore on our list, but he goes by T.J. Moore. Uh, Xavier Porter, really talented defensive lineman. L.J. McCray, who you brought up. Uh, Jalewis Solomon, another Georgia kid that they've had on campus a lot. Zayden Walker might come with him as well. They're both really talented dudes, 24 and 25 prospects. Um, so, yeah, I, I like the 24 group. I was just trying to stick with the idea of 23. Yeah, I'm sorry for offending you. You didn't have to go away and give away the whole list. The whole list, yeah, after we told him not to. It's like you tell Chris to do something, and he does the exact opposite I, of it. I only brought it. up like five. Calm yourself. There's you 30 kids the on this list. Oh, my God. I hate you guys. Uh, on to – oh, speaking of hating you guys, let's talk about the depth chart, huh? <laughs> you guys want to talk about the projected depth chart that Seminoles.com released recently, uh, FSU's official projected depth chart, still a work in progress. Uh, let's call it the depth heart. From here on out, I think is probably the the safest thing. We're going to measure heart and not what we actually think is going to happen. But this is what FSU put out uh, before the season opener against Duquesne. And uh, not a ton of surprises, but a few developments uh, that I would I would point out here that we can talk about. Let's start off with Deuce Span being listed as a co-starter at wide receiver with Ontario Wilson. I think that's a that is an indication, fellas, of him being in the plans very much so for Florida State, which we kind of thought was going to be the case, but it's good to kind of see it on paper, black and white. Yeah, that's a that's a big uh, alteration to the depth chart since the spring concluded. Deuce Man is not a dude who I expected to contribute this year when the spring concluded. He had a much better preseason. He's showing signs of kind of turning the corner, becoming improved, a little bit more well-rounded at the position, understanding of all. I am surprised he's listed as a co-starter. I thought he would be on the depth chart, but not as a co-starter. That was by far, to me, the biggest surprise on offense. That or the fact that we're now running with two tight end sets out there constantly. We'll get into that in a second. Uh, the other the other wide receiver development, and so we got Micah Pittman as a starter. We got Terry Wilson and Deuce Span as co-starters in another spot. And then the other wide receiver spot is a co-starter situation with Malik McLean and Johnny Wilson. Uh, I think we'll see a you know, five, six-man re- receiving rotation based on just the guys that that they like and and who's been really solid in preseason camp. Who knows? It may go deeper. Mike Norvell said it could go to, to nine wide receivers, I believe, when he was asked that, or at least that's a possibility. Uh, regardless, you know, the, the guys that are mentioned on this depth chart, I think are the focal points. And Johnny Wilson, to me, even though he's listed behind Malik McLean, it's the or situation, though, is kind of weird. Uh, he's the guy that I think is going to uh, – the last couple weeks of camp, he just to me has been so damn impressive. Even if he doesn't have a great day, he just what he does at his his threshold, his top level, which he gets to there quite a bit. Uh, it's so impressive, guys. Like I just, I think Florida State hit on him. We'll have to see how he how it converts into game action. I'm really excited to see what he does this week, but I'm really high on Johnny Wilson. Uh, moving on to the tight end position, uh, Cameron McDonald is listed as a starter over Wyatt Rector. Mike Norvell mentioned yesterday, was it, Chris, that that Cam is back in the fold after 
working through some things in the in the preseason. Yeah, McDonald's a kid that we saw return to practice this week. I'll be interested to see if he plays, how much he plays this weekend. I think that's a storyline to this weekend. I think the goal with a kid like McDonald is that you get him back to football shape, you know, back in the acclimation of it all, and you hope that you have him for LSU, which is obviously a much more important game. FSU has obviously a lot of bodies at tight end, Marcus Douglas, White Rector, Preston Daniel, Brian Courtney. I'm probably forgetting Jackson West. Uh, those are a few guys that we've talked about throughout the preseason. The one thing that was evidently clear watching Cam McDonald go through practice on Wednesday, athletically, fluidity-wise, he is by far the best tight end in that room in the sense of being a receiver type, and there's not really a close second. So, you know, while we don't love that room, he is still a very important piece to it. I'm just not convinced he's going to do a whole lot this week, and I think that's more out of precaution than anything else. I think that's a matter of uh, allowing the young man to come back from what he was dealing with and hopefully having them in order for the most important stretch coming up for you of that second and third game with LSU, followed by Louisville two weeks later. At running back, Treshawn Ward listed as a starter, Trey Benson as his primary backup, the other running back spot, Lawrence Tofilly, and then his backup, Zach, your boy, Rodney Hill. Yeah, I think that's a really good depth heart. Uh, a lot of guys with a lot of heart in that room. Um, yeah, I think that room's awesome, man. Like, like, Lawrence Tofilly surprised me um, th- this preseason. Like he, he's really turned it on. They've, um, you know, he's picked. They've picked up, picked up uh, hit the utilization of him in the offense. I think um, we'll see. But I, but I, but I like what Lawrence Tofilly's done. Um, then even like a guy like Rodney Hill. Like he, he's ran really well this preseason. He's a guy that can help them this year. That's not something you know. I even I think projected or any of us projected. Um, him as him as a true freshman but we know mike norvell will play a true freshman if he thinks that guy can help this team win um and the you know the guys in the other the other spot uh trey sean ward and, and trey benson are probably your top two um i i think in, in production this year trey benson's a guy that's um really surprised people in the spring and then has really carried it over into the fall i i really like what trey sean ward's done um I think he's a really shifty back, and I and I think he's a guy that that ha- you can you can do a lot with him. Um, and I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of variety in that room. Um, I really like how different all those backs are, and I think that that's really going to play to the strength of this offense this year. Yeah, and while we've talked a lot about wanting the offense to be better at passing, believing the receivers are an improved area, thinking Jordan Travis has continued to progress as a passer. Let's not mistake it. FSU is still going to be a run first team their strength is still being a running team and they have very good stable backs that allow them to do that. I do love the versatility that Zach mentioned. And I think talking to coaches like they do as well, you got guys that you can move to different spots and use multiple backs at one time that they've, they've talked about and what that looks like. I'm really, really, really interested to see as the season progresses of, of if you can block it up and you can give athletes you know, chances to make plays in space. Like I, I, that seems like a good formula. I am excited to see what that's going to look like. And if you can execute uh, some of the multi-back looks that they've talked about, some that Mike Norvell did very well at Memphis. Uh, moving on to the offensive line on the depth heart, uh, not a huge any huge surprises. I think Julian Armella, hat tip to him, a true freshman being listed as the backup left tackle to Robert Scott. Uh, Darius Washington being listed as the starting center. And then uh, at right guard, you get Demetri Emanuel and Justin Turnitin in an or situation. Anything stand out to you there, Chris? Uh, I would just tell people that I think jazz has a great chance of being a major contributor. If he doesn't earn that starting job at right guard, 
as a swingman. He, the guy who can come in at tackle, he can come in at guard, he can play any of the four spots. I don't know if he would play over Julian at left necessarily. Probably depends on opponent, edge rusher, just, you know, do you want the guy with a lot of college experience or the guy who's fresh into college is probably the decision you're making there, whether you go Armella or Jazz. Um, at center, I, I think Bryson Estes, who had a very good preseason camp at guard, but obviously did some work at center because of the situation that arose at center with numbers. Uh, you know, I think he could easily play right behind Washington. I'm not sure they necessarily go directly to Schrader if they get into a situation where they have to go down the depth chart there. So there is some versatility of that. I want to get stuck on who's number two at those positions. I think it's more these are our five best we're playing. Alex Atkins has kind of talked about the idea of having to get to a point where you play your five best linemen. And then I think it's more about who's number six, who's number seven, and what's the versatility of those guys in the sense of their ability to play multiple positions and contribute. I think that it's more likely six and seven play across the board than them being stuck at this is the first guy at this position, this is the second guy at the position as it looks on depth chart. Yeah, if I recall correctly, Alex Atkins even said like Dylan Gibbons is someone who has gotten looks at at center. And uh, Mike Gravel said in his Monday press conference that this depth chart, like what they put out, especially as it relates to the offensive line, could continue to change throughout the week of practice. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they end up putting out there on when on Wednesday, on Saturday. Uh, we do know that Murray Smith, he's not listed on the depth chart, uh, projected starting center going into the season, or at least a co-starter, uh, is out for the season opener against Duquesne. Uh, the coaching staff does feel like he'll be back pretty soon. They're optimistic about that. That's what Coach Norvell said earlier in the week. The last thing I'll mention is that Jazz and Turnitin, in my opinion, has has really come on in the last week and a half or so of practice. It's just looking confident, looking in shape. Uh, looks like someone who will be able to help out in some capacity, whether it's in the swing rotation or uh, you know even potentially as a starter. Who knows what that's going to look like, but someone who I, I think is moving, ascending in a good direction before the season starts. Now we'll go on to defense. Cool. Yeah. All right. Defense. Let's talk about that uh, development on the depth chart. Again, nothing uh, tremendously surprising. Uh, Derek McClendon and Jared Verse, Chris, both as co-starters. I think that was kind of the expectation, something we've been told for a while, like both those guys are going to play a lot of snaps. Yeah, people are going to get stuck. McClendon or Verse is how it's listed on one side, and then obviously the opposite side at Fox. The other DN position is Dennis Briggs. The truth is, don't get stuck on it. They got three starter quality defensive ends, and they're going to play them all fairly similar rep counts. I think the thing there is that McClendon's a guy who's been in the system longer. He's kind of earned the right. Verse has come in, done his job, and done it at a high level, and FSC is going to re- reward that just as much. But, uh, you know, when I did a projected depth chart going into – the release of this depth chart a depth heart chris i i I was trying to avoid ores on the first lines because i feel like that's to some degree a bit of a cop-out but like in this case it's not they have three starters at dn and they view it that way they view them as having three starters at defensive end and uh, i guess basically six to seven bodies at dn that they feel really good about because beyond those three that we talked about there's leonard warner patrick payton byron turner those are all guys i think they're fully comfortable running out in a game situation right now at defensive tackle, nothing super surprising there. Obviously, with Fabian Love and Robert Cooper coming back, you, you know what you're getting there. I think the noteworthy development, I'll throw this to you, Zach, because you've been pretty high on him for, for a while now, and that's that Josh Farmer works his way into the depth chart with an or next to Malcolm Ray as the primary nose tackle uh, backup. I, I feel like that's a significant development. Yeah, he's really turned it on in fall camp. Um, I know Dane 
Draper at no 24-7. He's the the leader of the Josh Farmer um hive, I guess. But man, he he's awesome to watch. Like, especially in one-on-ones, man, he just annihilates offensive linemen. Um I think he can really help FSU this year. Um, and I th- and that's not to say Malcolm Ray can't. Like, I think Malcolm Ray is a, is a quality backup as well. That's why they're listed at or. I thought Malcolm Ray had one of the better springs out of anyone on the team. Um, and he hasn't not, he has not looked bad in, in the fall for sure. So I'm really excited about those two. I, th- I think that, that the depth is maybe better than you thought at that position um, heading into this year. They've got five on the depth chart, three at one spot, two at the other. Worth remembering, a guy like Dennis Briggs can just as easily slide in there. So they have six guys that they want to go with a rotation. And they like to rotate guys. They want their guys to play to their max capacity, play really hard, and then next guy up, fresh. And we're going to keep guys fresh and win the fourth quarter doing that. That's been Odell's kind of staple his entire career coaching that position when he's had capable depth. The next level, the defense linebacker, I've – been really excited to see how different players have developed. Tatum Bethune has continued to be as solid and as good as as advertised what we thought he was going to be coming in from UCF. I think maybe even better. Uh, he's he's been brought a lot of stability to the heart of the defense. But Kalen Deloach just continued to be very very good uh, playing in space and and looks like he's played at a really confident level. He's just built on what he's done last year. DJ Lundy, uh, perhaps the most improved player on defense in my estimation. Just that shedded weight has made such a big difference in his game. And you have Amari Gaynor listed as the backup to Tatum Bethune. uh, And we know what Amari can do uh, in a situational capacity. And I think that's probably like for him to be more the reserve role probably fits his skill set best where you can kind of limit some of the deficiencies, maximize some of the really good strengths on his end Uh, at the defensive backfield. We'll wrap it up here. Uh, Kevin Knowles gets to start at Nickelback. You remind me. Uh, Greedy Vance is the primary backup at cornerback. We got a Marion Cooper and then behind him, you have Azaria Thomas or Sam McCall. Uh, be interested to see if either of those true freshmen, Chris, find the field uh, early on this season, especially against like Duquesne in the opening. You try to work them in and, and see how they do against an FCS opponent. Heck yeah. I think AZ <laughs> plays a lot on Saturday. I think AZ plays a lot all year. McCall, I think his bigger opportunity is probably special teams. But he'll find some spot duty in the secondary, I believe. I'm interested to watch McCall's involvement. I'm just not ready to say he's a dude that's one of the first guys up off the bench early in the year at this point at defensive back. It does seem like they are going to use Sam McCall on special teams, given that he's listed as a co-starter at kickoff return and a backup at punt return. So it seems like he'll be someone that might be working that role. I think that's really smart to kind of keep him engaged, use the athleticism that he has and and let him get in-game experience in that capacity. The other cornerback spot, Renardo Green gets the uh, the nod here. Jerry and Jones, who has had a really nice preseason camp as the primary backup. I anticipate you see both those guys rotated a lot just based on how high they've how highly they've discussed Jerry and Jones. Seems like someone who uh, they've, they've done some cross-training with. They kept him engaged. He's moving in a good direction. So we'll see if that improvement in preseason camp is legitimately for real. Finally, at safety, uh, at Buck, you get Akeem Dent with Jarquez McClellan as the primary backup there. And then at field safety, you get Jamie Robinson with Shaheem Brown as the primary backup. So that's that's the depth heart. Uh, that's what we got for week one. It's always a living, breathing organism, always changing, evolving. Uh, and if you're Florida State, you really have to hope that you get to go well beyond that too deep uh, because, oh, 
I got one more thing for you guys. What do you make of AJ Duffy going back to quarterback? Jordan Travis is the starter. Tate Rodemaker, the primary backup. They made room for AJ Duffy on the depth chart. It's one of the few positions where they have a legitimate third stringer listed. I don't think that's insignificant. No, I think that's a uh, mix of congrats for working hard since your arrival slash let's keep dudes engaged. That's a position where you obviously always kind of have to play the game of you're important to this team. Please remain with this team in this day and age of the transfer portal. The last thing I want to get to before we get to the mailbag, a couple of injuries. We mentioned Marie Smith. Uh, Coach Norvell mentioned yesterday that reserve linebacker Stephen Dix Jr. will be out for the season with an undisclosed injury. Uh, you know, I'm not entirely sure what Stephen Dix Jr. was going to do this season from a contribution standpoint, probably more of a rotational player, uh, but still someone who had some starting experience and you obviously don't want to lose someone for the season. That's been a couple of injuries they've had now of season-ending uh, variety for Florida State. Uh, hopefully he has a speedy recovery. Uh, and then the other injury news is that wide receiver slash running back, I guess athlete Ja'Kai Douglas, will be out for the season opener. Coach Dorvell announced yesterday due to an injury that was sustained in a scrimmage recently. Uh, the time I first returned wasn't specified. They, they did seem pretty hopeful that it would be soon, I believe, is what Coach Norvell said. So, yeah, those are injuries. Anything else before we move on to the mailbag? Previously announced injuries, center Caden Lyles done for the year, running back C.J. Campbell done for the year. Those were announced by Norvell throughout the camp process. Uh, one observation, defense, if you look at the starters, it's very heavy on redshirt juniors. It speaks to the fact that they've had a lot of these guys for two, three years in the system. A couple plug-in guys, a guy like uh, Tatum Bethune, for example, is a plug-in guy. But a lot of these guys have kind of developed with them, and that's something that's been referenced a lot. Adam Fuller mentions that routinely. But that's really the main thing. Uh, I think the most uh, interesting absence on the depth chart to me was probably Sidney Williams. I thought he'd get an or designation at one of the safety spots. I was surprised not to see him. But beyond that, it, it looked a lot like what we sort of expected it to. Some guys on different sides as far as DNs and, you know, guys kind of mixed up at receiver a little bit. Because receiver, I think they, they're not an XYZ receiver listing like some depth charts are. But mm -hmm. that was about it for me. Depth heart. Let's get to the mailbag. Mailbag. Thank you for trying. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Awful. All right, let's get started here. First question, AVFO3, does Dennis Rodman get Brittany Griner back to the – nope, I'm not going to go with that one. Good start. Thanks, fellas. Uh, Brooklyn Null, eight, who finishes the year with more receiving yards, Deuce Span or Darian Williamson? Chris, I will let you opine on what we saw from Darian Williamson yesterday in practice. Uh, welcome aboard the Darian Williamson hype train. It's nice to have you, sir. Well, FSU has Micah Pittman who can work to the middle of the field and he's athletic and he can do things. And they have other guys who can make things happen in the middle of the field. But when I say work to the middle of the field, I mean uh, real good quickness and tight spaces, shiftiness, and a decent catch radius. Darian Williamson, who he's listed at, what, 6'2", 6'3"? He's got a really good catch radius and he is extremely athletic. His biggest issue has been availability. He hasn't been able to practice a ton consistently in his entire FSU career. He got kind of snake bit this preseason, and he had a car accident at the beginning that knocked him out for a while. And then I think there was another stretch at Norvell reference where he was unavailable. So he just didn't get up the experience of the past month of practice after practice after practice. And a guy like Deuce Span, we saw improvement because he did it day in, day out. Uh, Johnny Wilson's a guy who's continuously improved because he does it day in, day out. There's something to that. It's why, you know, to use a baseball analogy, pro baseball players are better than college baseball players because, heck, they're doing it every day, all year. There's something to that. 
Darian Williamson will be good if he can start stacking practices. He just simply hasn't gotten there. So on the basis of that question, I would go with Span right now just because he is more prepared, in quotations, for the season right now. But Williamson is fully capable of it. He just has to get himself in order and stack a week after a week after a week of practices. And I think we see them trust him more. Maybe he appears on the depth chart and he has a little bit more of an opportunity. But I think Deuce is a home run hitter type guy that are going to utilize his speed, scheme him up some, and get him some opportunities to do things probably vertically for this football team. Depth heart. That catch, though, that catch yesterday at practice was oh, something special. Williamson's always had flashes. You've been on that bandwagon very heavy since last year. But again, it's a matter of being out there. part of the reason he stood out yesterday is because he was actually out there yesterday. Tell them what you told me yesterday about availability. It's the most important ability. The best ability is availability. Wow. Who's ever, has anyone ever thought of saying that before? It's I don't so know. It's so profound. I feel like if you walk in a doctor's office, there's a 50% chance that it's hanging on the wall. Seminole in NC. First question for you guys Would you like to see our offensive identity be a physical downhill running team or a pass happy offensive team? Zach, I'll throw this one to you. What do you want to see the Noles do on offense this year? Well, I think this year you probably want to be a running team. I think like, I think that's just that plays to your strengths, right? I think like they're a better run blocking team than pass blocking team. And your staple of running backs is a lot better than your, your staple of receivers, even though that room has improved a lot since last year. Um, I, st- I still think this year that that's probably what you're, you want your identity to be. All righty. Let's see here. I, I'm a, in agreement with you, Zach, I think this will be a running team. I think you're just you're well equipped to do that with your quarterback, with the stable of running backs you have. Uh, being a little bit more balanced will be a good thing, though, long term. Uh, this is a good question here from Sunday Gold as we kind of try to vet what like national perception will be for this program, depending on how they start. The optimist is how does the national perception look if FSU starts three and zero? Pessimist, uh, how does it look if we start one and two? And then he finally asks which is more likely. Uh, first off, I'll say one and two is statistically more likely than three and zero, just based on what some of the projections are from computer rankings and whatnot. Uh, but Chris, I'll let you take out what, let your mind wander. Like if, if three and zero exists, just how much like sports center hype is this program getting? Is, is FSU back with a three and zero start? Oh, Mike Norvell's turned this thing around and look at the direction it's going and it's happened. And 10 minute segment on college game day. So they haven't forgot us for much of the last half decade. It will be insane. Now, one and two, college game, they will probably still be talking about us, but it will probably be hot seat talk and things of that sort. Deion Sanders I, talk. Yeah, We're going to be way ahead of ourselves no matter which way that goes if either of those scenarios play out. It's about what the entire season gives FSU and what they do with it. But, uh, you know, 3-0 and would be three and would be a mighty rewarding experience for a young men on the football team and the staff because there's been a lot of work put in to try to be a much better football program, and that's a credit to them. But for the fan base, it will also be like, man, the first time I think we'll be able to breathe comfortably and feel good about ourselves in the last, what, five years? Yep, it's been been a while since Florida State has uh, had something to be relaxed over to start the season. It's It's been a catastrophe to start uh, every, every single season since 20, 2016 uh, was the last time you won a season opener. And even then uh, the feel good from that comeback win against Ole Miss didn't last long. That was the Louisville, uh, the infamous Louisville loss and North Carolina last second loss. And you finished that season off strong, but uh, anyways, not to 
talk about being pessimistic going back there. Uh, but just again, to reiterate, like odds makers are going to have Florida State. I, I know the diehards aren't going to want to hear this. Florida State will very likely be an underdog against LSU. And it'll probably be an underdog on the road against Louisville. So one and two is more likely than three and zero. Heck, it's probably more likely than two and one. I, I know people don't like hearing that, but that is just if you're talking about legitimacy, like that—that that is what's the most likely. We'll see if FSU can overachieve uh, with with an improved roster. Sticking with you, Chris Jarvis No Blood asks, "Could you remind us how Jade Trav looked when he arrived in the spring of 2019?" Oh man, remember the wind? Remember oh, the, the, wind? Wind, the wind was beating him up as far as a passer. He was struggling with it. Uh, you know, I, I think some of it was confidence. I think some of it was development. Uh, there's a, a quarterback has to believe in himself, and I think Jay Trav has he improved immensely at that. It's it's night and day from when he got here with what he thinks he's capable of doing, what he believes in himself for doing, and that's a credit to him because he's matured with it. But it's also a credit to Mike Norvell, Kenny Dillingham, Tony Tokars, and so many other guys along the way who have kind of helped him. Uh, it's it's so much better. That first stretch of watching J. Trav beyond his athleticism did not know if he could contribute as a quarterback at this level for Florida State. To just be brutally honest about it, yeah, it's it's one of the more impressive stories that. I've gotten to cover the last, uh, honestly, since I've been covering Florida State for almost a decade now, just that type of improvement to think someone was, even for coaches, to think they were kind of useless in, in a certain way, uh, throwing the ball and for him to be legitimately adequate and serviceable doing it. It's pretty cool. Logdog11 asks, oh, Zach, and throws to you. Is snapping the ball important to you? It is so important to me, Brendan. What about you, Chris? If I learned anything from the draft, it's that snapping is important. It is. I think maybe low dog, not lock dog, too. Sorry. Uh, NRG, Noel, getting ahead of himself a little bit. Who has the most rushing attempts against LSU? Who has the most tackles against LSU? Do we keep our national leading interception streak alive against them? I mean, got to beat Duquesne first. Got to beat Duquesne first. Kevin from Puerto Rico, also getting ahead of himself. Which offensive line performance better, LSU or FSU? Guys, did you not remember what happened last year? Don't count. Your is it chickens before they hatch or eggs before they hatch? Chickens, right? I'm just leaving you out on this island to figure yeah, it out. Thank you. I mean, I think chickens, I guess, before they hatch. Uh, Renegade 850, do you think Murray Smith wins back his job at center or will Darius Washington make it his own for the year? That's an interesting question because, from a skill set perspective and a size perspective, like I think Darius Washington offers some things that are really intriguing at center. Uh, to me, it's a matter of like, can he consistently snap the ball? Like, is that something that's important to you guys? I would add that it's also important for FSU to have Marie Smith because I think it would be beneficial to Thomas Schrader not have to be shoved into the fire. I, I'm a big believer in Thomas Schrader. I think I've expressed that numerous times over the last year on a podcast, but he's a kid working back from a pretty bad injury last year that changed him physically. And I think it would benefit him basically to have this as almost a red shirt year, get him some duty here and there and late in games with like a Duquesne possibly but i'm saying if you have to throw a guy in the fire in the first quarter down 10 points and it needs to be what it needs to be i'd much rather marie smith over thomas schrader right now yeah. and that's from, not a knock on schrader that's just a matter of experience versus needs his time from an, yeah, from an experience standpoint thomas schrader is almost like a true freshman still physical development and weight room development because of hip limitations uh, last year recovering from the injury and just practice reps so it's like the same thing with marie smith playing as a true freshman Back in 2019, like you don't want to have to to do that if you can help it, at least early in the season. 
Uh, FSU 9081 asks, are we going to see a more sophisticated defense this year? Seems that the only way we, that we played faster last year was to simplify. Uh, so yeah, FSU ran cover four scheme, I think fifth most in the country. Uh, they didn't blitz a ton either because it, one, they didn't have to, but two, and Adam Fuller talked about this the other day. Uh, there was not a necessary, like a, a need to to do it because you get pressure with with four. And they wanted to, with the scheme being pretty simplistic on the back end, uh, they thought they had, hey, we have athleticism. Let's just do what we do well and, and focus on that. Now with having the pieces in place for uh, this going into year three and knowing what those pieces are capable of, which it took you well into last season to kind of figure it out, I think you allow yourself to be a little bit more complex on defense, something Adam Fuller did well at Memphis was blitz packages and sub package stuff rotationally moving different guys around. And, and he was able to, because that culture was a little bit stronger at that point, even though he was a new defensive coordinator at Memphis. I think we see a little bit more of that at Florida state this season. You don't have to be, be quite as vanilla as you were on defense. Uh, and it might be, you might have the players in place to be a little bit more aggressive and, and versatile. I agree with Brendan wholeheartedly. Two quick things to add to that. Linebacker is not a weakness because of Tatum Bethune's addition, so you don't have to hide them. You don't have to worry about them as much. You can play to them almost as a strain. That makes a massive difference. The other thing, secondary back half of last year, they figured themselves out as far as who was playing with who, how they play with one another, what they can do, what they can't do. That helps a lot when you go through the entire spring, the entire summer, the entire preseason together. You kind of just, you know, you all are sharing the same brain. Something FSU severely lacked last year. The reason FSU went so vanilla last year was in part because they just weren't good when they tried to do anything that was essentially exotic. And I think they can now do that because of familiarity with one another and the confidence in one another and in each other's groups is so much higher than it was last season. Let's see here. Chris, I'll stick with you because you're a president of the Azaria Thomas fan club. Renegade850 asks, which which came in this season. Can you also do that with a mailbag? No. Same with no, you won't. Okay, cool. Good. Just leave me on an island again. Thanks, guys. You're Which welcome. game in the season do you oh, stop interrupting me now? Which game in the season do you predict? Hey, Which game in the season? Which game do you in the season? <laughs> gotcha. Uh, Which start? game in the season? What? Will he get his first start? First start. Hmm. Duquesne. No. I, Maybe. No. I I think you can't. He has a lot of depth heart. Man, I I don't think it's far-fetched to think it could be game one, truthfully. Um, but I'll lean more towards uh, game six or seven. But also, who are you sitting down? So you got Amirian Cooper, Duke Cooper, who you feel really confident in. You got Renardo Green, who's had a pretty good preseason. You got Jerry and Jones, who's kind of the next guy up, it seems, at those positions possibly because he has had a good preseason. I'm not necessarily fully on that train. I think him or A.C. Thomas is really the next guy, guy up. So, you know, if, say one of those two, the first two we mentioned is unavailable or for whatever reason can't play that given day, I think there's an excellent chance for A.C. to be a guy that gets nod. So I don't think it's far-fetched to happen sooner rather than later. TB3 Golf 714. What players could be leaving early for the draft with a good season? Would be cool for Trey Benson to have like a, a monster here and be like, all right, cool. I'm good. I'm good here. I've already had COVID, a injury. COVID in the additional year has changed the whole idea of early. 
because <laughs> so many guys are redshirt sophomores, redshirt juniors, when in reality they're a fourth or a fifth year player at that university. Um, as far as like a guy taking a huge leap and being able to go, I don't know. I mean, Trey's probably a good one. Yeah. You, you only have so much tread on your tire as a running back. So uh, Robert Scott, I guess, would be one that could be mentioned. Jay Trav, who's a redshirt junior technically, is someone that's probably worth mentioning. Um, yeah, I, I think I mentioned how a lot of defense is redshirt juniors. I think several of those guys have a real shot. You have Tatum Bethune or uh, Fabian's a redshirt junior, I believe. So there's a couple more. But, again, they're pretty experienced college players. I don't really know if that's technically early. Yeah. Well, let's see. Do, do I want to go on that one? Yeah. Uh, one more from Renegade850 asked, based purely on what you saw fall camp, if Jay Trav plays his last season of college football in 2022, do you think the starter in 2023 is currently on the roster or will he be in the portal? That's a good question. I think so much of it's going to depend on what – I think it's going to be what A.J. Duffy, how he progresses this season. We've already seen him show some – some baby steps and signs of growth from the spring to the beginning of camp and then through camp. Uh, you've got to really, I think, monitor how much he develops. It's also about what can you acquire and more so through the portal than the high school ranks. If you can go to portal and get a guy who's sort of a ready-made starter, a lot of experience fits your system, uh, one-year plug, and it might not be the worst thing to allow AJ further time to develop. I don't believe Tate's the next guy up. Yeah, I don't think I agree with Chris. I don't think there's anyone in the high school ranks that you can add now that would impact next season. Um, so I think you go portal for that if you do want to add uh, a guy through the portal. Um, and, and I think you're right, Brendan. I think this depends on how Duffy develops over the next year. Um, and I right now I'd probably lean that, that that they'll go portal after the season, right? Like I like I'm not super confident that that hates the guy. Um, Duffy's still got a ways to go. Um, I don't think he came in like this super polished prospect. He, he, he's got to develop um, and, and I think maybe another year um, and, and he'll be good. But I think I think uh, going portal would not be a bad option for them if J-Trav does end up uh, leaving after this year. That, that's a good point, Zach. Uh, Knowles and Bucks asked, do we see J-Trav at all in the second half this Saturday? I, I think you would hope not, right? Like You'd hope ideal. not, but you never – you're not – whatever you said earlier uh, about chickens and eggs. Nah, but man, like they got, they, they've got to get him out of the game um, as soon as possible. Um, but you got to win that game. Like they're like, obviously we can't, there, there's no excuse. Um, but yeah, that, that'd be ideal. You don't want him playing into the second half of that game. If you don't need to so, say there's what 12 to 15 series in most football games. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess it's more like 10 to 13 probably it's in college. Yeah, you want to get them five or six good series, and hopefully you post. Yeah. You know, if you get them six series, hopefully you post roughly, you know, twenty eight to thirty five points in that stretch. What in the second scrimmage where they had him in for? I think three series is what the coaching staff said. Yeah, they Not limited that. a lot of veterans in that scrimmage, from what we understand. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, maybe double that in a real game experience. I think it is important to get some continuity with the receiving with the receivers in the passing game and get some semblance of like momentum i guess for lack of a better phrase to kind of feel that that you know what you can expect from wide receivers to get into a rhythm a little bit to build into the lsu game because this is an advantage like like people are saying you just want to get out of this game healthy and i agree to an extent but having this game before a marquee national televised game against lsu like you do have an advantage to get some rust off to work out a few things against an opponent that you have a 
an edge on. So like, I, I wouldn't dismiss that as an important part of the equation. Like if there's stuff that, that you're seeing on the field that you don't like, like I'm totally fine if they're trying to work through it and try to figure some things out uh, and get reps to shake off some additional rust. Like that's an advantage that you're going to have against LSU is that you have a real live game against a, an opponent to kind of work through things. Uh, yeah. I, just, I wouldn't dismiss that. Noel Knight asks, uh, do you think Jordan Travis will have over 4,000 combined yards for the year? I, I think under, uh, but I'll, I'll rephrase it a little bit, fellas. What do you think? I'll set the over under at three and a half. So 3,500 yards over under combined offense or total offense. I'll take the under still. What did you have last year? Make me look that up. Good live podcasting you'll just cut, you'll just skip this part you just want I mean, me to edit it he probably had what like yeah. 2700 last year he had 1539 passing yards and 535 rushing yards so, so yeah, around 2100 i mean so yeah the expectation and i listened i i think jordan continues to improve in multiple ways i think the supporting cast around him will be big uh not you know, oscillating between two quarterbacks and him getting more reps will be helpful as long as he stays healthy. Like he, he should have better numbers overall. Doubling in production is a pretty big ask, though. Um, I think between 3,300 and 3,500 would be solid given the, the complexion of your offense. I still think FSC is a running team. And I think the goal is for Jordan Travis to be less of a runner than he had to be at times last year. The bonus question from Noel Knight was Sinone being that we're both fellow Knights. What record do you believe John Rice Plumley will lead our Knights to? Nine and zero, and uh, claim another national championship. Heavy C asks, "Who is the first player to hit the portal that the general public wouldn't guess?" I, I don't like playing this game. I, I, I actually, I'll answer this, ooh. but I'm not giving a real answer. Uh, I don't know of a player that I think is heading to the portal. Um, I, and I think that's a credit to where this roster now sits. Two years ago, it was a purge. It was uh, everybody get the hell out of town, and they need a lot of guys to leave. And we're way beyond that point now, which is actually a really good thing. Guys will leave because of playing time opportunities elsewhere, so on and so forth. But there's not a guy I'm pointing at exiting the spring who I'm like, I think he's on the verge. Obviously, a Travis Shea, Demory Tate, they, they are guys that are not on the depth chart. They are not necessarily where they want to be at this point in their college career. So that's probably guys that people would say. I don't know for a fact that either of those guys are considering that at all. I'm not sure of it. I just think this roster is in a much better health standpoint than previous rosters in the Mike Norvell era. D. Heasy wants to know uh, what's better chance of happening, a 1,000-yard receiver this year or a 10-sack? single defensive player performance i think a 10 sack performance is probably more capable i think the receivers are gonna divide and conquer a little bit you know Pittman's a guy who i think has a chance of leading him wilson if it holds true consistently throughout the season johnny wilson yeah which uh, has a real shot um of racking it up but a thousand is a mighty huge leap for what fsu's produced in the passing game in recent years go Knowles wants to know if you had to be one flavor pop tart what pop tart would you be. s'mores so, okay <laughs> answer that quickly i think that flavor sucks brown sugar one the brown yeah, sugar brown, brown sugars you gotta toast it though yeah of course but, like there's some pop tarts that you can have not toasted and they're adequate right like like the strawberry blueberry are fine not toasted they're not great but the brown sugar toasted is exceptional yes 
Uh, Ed YC, no, I'm going to hurry up here because we're 50 minutes into this podcast. We have three more pages to go through. I apologize ahead of time. We won't Lightning round. <laughs> and NYC, no, 92. Who is someone you're ready to write off but has impressed you? Uh, he said, excluding Brendan Gant. I'm Jerry, Jerry Jones. Jones. Yep. yep. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, KFW, not six four six four nine oh too many numbers there. 90210. Uh, which one of you has the crystal balls to put in a show pick for Michael Mitchell flip? Zach? Huh? Huh? I'm going to bull you into it. No he ball. doesn't have an offer yet. Yeah. He's also officially visiting Utah on September 17th. So I don't think that that story is completely written at this point. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've got a, like FSU hasn't like, he's their guy. Like it, if his grades get sorted away, like he's their guy, but it's not a sure thing that that's going to happen. Um, they still have to, like Chris said, go and extend the offer. And then that's kind of where the process starts of trying to get him to flip. Like right now it's just kind of in the, they're in the talking phase of just trying trying to build that relationship um, in the case that he does get things squared away. Boondocker 2017 wants to know, have you ever encountered Norvell in the men's room? Like Jimbo was it awkward. Did you talk shop? Did he pass the toilet paper? Uh, I actually, that's have. a no for me. I actually have. I have. <laughs> Zach, you have another story? Should I tell it? I think so. I mean, he asked directly about it. Yeah. How did he know? Yeah, that's weird. I didn't set this up. This wasn't like a this wasn't a plant or anything like that. that. Yeah, is that, Mims is on our board. Yeah. So speaking of of plants or uh, stakeouts, we were uh, Zach and I were staking out the year Mary's Mims arrival at a hotel. Uh, we knew pretty early on that we were in the right spot because we saw uh, FSU coming to set stuff up for the official visit. And uh, when we saw the coaches arrive, including Mike Norvell, it was like, "Hey, Zach, I'm going. We're on the second floor. I'm going to go urinate." So we could be ready to go and uh, cover this swiftly and effectively. And I'm in the bathroom and someone came to the urinal next to me and started doing what you do at urinals. And I didn't want to look because I, I just had a feeling. I was like, oh, this might be someone I know. It'd be awkward to look anyways. I went and I washed my hands. And then this gentleman uh, went to wash his hands as well. And it happened to be Coach Mike Norvell. And it was basically, a, oh, fancy seeing you here. And I said, is this awkward? He goes, no. And he's washing his hands. He's like, this isn't awkward. And he goes and he puts his arm around, grabs the paper towels to my left, pulls the paper towels back. And then it was like, now it's awkward. So, yeah, it was a story. Just so invigorating. Lightning round. <laughs> <laughs> Crew 13, uh, how many players get drafted this year? Three to four or more? I think uh, Fabian Lovett, Jamie Robinson, anyone else that we think is like, yeah, so I'm like, are we sitting the line at two and a half then? I mean, those are two easy ones. I think Bethune would have a shot. I think Briggs truthfully has a shot. I'm, I'm team Briggs, so I'll admit that. Um, I I think this will be a, not an overly fruitful year, but I think it will be better than recent drafts. Yeah, I'll go under. I don't think it'll be more than than four. That'd be great. You know, that means a lot of things went right for you. Uh, big new, big Buford. No, Byers known. FSU is breaking in a new coach for the twenty twenty four season. Uh, I will know that. Yeah, Italian roast asks, who are the most vocal leaders on offense and defense? Uh, who are you observing, Zach? Who's who's standing out to you as a vocal leader? Defense is for sure Jared Verse. Um, he's always hyping the defense up and, and 
getting the competitive juices flowing in, in practice. Like he he's antagonizing the offense all the time to try and, you know, um, promote that, that competitiveness inside practice. Cause obviously, you know, things kind of get boring after what, 15 days of fall camp, but he was always bringing the energy on offense. We've always heard that Trayshawn Ward is kind of a guy that, that leads that room um, and is pretty vocal uh, w- within those guys. But um, Jay Travis, it, is a leader. I wouldn't call him like a super vocal leader. I, mean, I think he he's kind of more of an action based leader. Um, are there any? Bro, I saw guys? him. I saw him pick up a mouthpiece for one of the running backs the other day. They broke into a long run. The mouthpiece fell out. He ran over, picked up the mouthpiece, mouthpiece, and gave it to them. What a what a guy. What a Dylan Gibbons is someone I would mention. Dylan Gibbons has done a phenomenal job with the offensive line room of being a leader and being a guy who, because he's played a lot of college football at multiple institutions of passing that knowledge upon younger guys in a room that's brought about a lot of development. So he's definitely a guy I think deserves a mention. Uh, Fabian Lovett and Robert Cooper as well. I I really like the way they uh, approach coaching up younger players. A lot of Odell Hagen isms have matriculated through those guys uh, through spending a lot of time with their coach. You can tell they respect him. They understand the importance of passing things down through that room. Uh, I've enjoyed watching that this preseason Knowles 1981 wants to know is snapping important to you yes of course of course of course uh Kenhoon 25 over under how many road games until Chris throws Brendan out of the car 1.5 Chris are we counting LSU as a road game yeah yeah, yeah that counts. you won't be in the car with me for that so um we're not doing many road trips this, like we're flying yeah. more this year so I think that's going to save me NC State Miami I think are the possibilities of us driving together um, we're not going to Syracuse. I know that much. I'll probably throw you out a car on the turnpike on the way to Miami. So Miami. it's one and a half to two. Yeah. Yeah. Miami. Uh, so I guess over, uh, how many spies are on the practice? Nope. We're not going to answer that one. Seven, seven, two. No, it's just an absurd thing to talk about and even address, uh, Matt and Skeet. <laughs> does, does Travis J have the skill set to move to linebacker or wide receiver? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Some longer questions as I'm trying to do lightning rounds. Not great. Not your fault. Just lightning round. Dry can. It is lying season, so finish the sentence. This receiving core will be the best at FSU since blank. Ooh. 2017. Like, go back and look at like the 2017 numbers. Like We were so spoiled at that point of covering this team and, and being fans of this team that like Nyquan Murray had 600 receiving yards in 2017. Auden Tate had 548. What would you do for a pair of 500-plus receiving yards right now? Even 2018, 744 for Nyquan, 744 for Tamori and Terry. Like, it's, we don't have to go back that far, I guess, to, to be better than what it's been the last couple of years is my point. I think it's the deepest, most well-rounded group since at least 17. The Apex Noel wants to know, if you were told we'd suffer no major injuries this year, what would your win share total be? If probably I eight? go up for, yeah, I was going to say, I was right around seven, it would probably go to eight for me. Yeah, the same here, if you can assure that. Let's see. Does the current staff, this is from Johnny Mo 82 does the current staff have the recruiting shops to put itself back in regular contention for ACC championships? If no, what would fix it? A key recruiter on either side of the ball, a better back office staff, NIL. Well, NIL is important. FSU needs to be more competitive in that game, plain and simple. But I think to answer that question very directly, I, I'm interested if they do put together some proof of concept winning 
successful season, seven, eight wins, preferably eight, bigger number. Uh, I'm interested to see how they can recruit. I still think there's some fine tuning from a recruiting standpoint that the staff probably needs. I think they're a good developmental staff. I think they're good at evaluating kids. But in the sense of getting yourself into really big dog fights and having a true chance of winning consistently more often than they have to this point in time, it's probably about the people more than anything else. Longbeard Noel wants to know, will FSU return a kickoff or punt for a touchdown this year, Zach? Yes. Woo. Will John Papuchas do a cartwheel across the field when that happens? My, my really man said he almost got in a traffic accident thinking about it the other <laughs> day. Daydreaming through a red light almost. Yep. Uh, subpart F wants to know, would you trade a Duquesne loss for a guaranteed win against LSU in Louisville? Oh, no. no, no. The, no. The, and my computer would literally ignite into flames if they lose to Duquesne because last year against Jacksonville State, it tried to, so this would definitely push it to that point. So, no. <laughs> Uh, recording this on a Thursday, throwback Thursday, Chris Knee last year as he watched the Jacksonville State, not even the Hail Mary, just the, the structured play happen. He goes, oh boy, as the guy's running through <laughs> through the end zone. Uh, oh boy. Was... Can we quit if they lose to Duquesne? Yes. Okay, yes. thank you. Going through. I, won't, starting I, won't, to really... I don't want to like spread that bad negativity. Like No, how dare yeah. you? How dare you? No dad, 84. What happens first? Newberg comes Newberg comes back to Newbeck. Newberg comes back to 24-7 or Knowles win the ACC. I probably the ACC one, I would think, right? I know of sure. no, I don't know if Josh could be back to Knowles 24-7. You never Someone know. Asks, who you cares? Know. Well, okay. Put in put in a show crystal ball. <laughs> like no one's asking questions anymore. I haven't seen a question mark in like five posts. I think we're derailing here. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, Nick T5, does Burrell come off to you as more of a pure running back than wide receiver after watching a week or so practice with him there? He certainly looks it. I think the better question is, is over under 35.5 touches for Joshua Burrell this year, and will Chris buy all of us steak dinner if it's over? The line was 36. Get it right. Well, I'm saying the over under for 35.5. We, we, gets... we don't owe Chris anything if we lose too, which is such awful. a bad better. Like, I wanted to put a bet. Maybe I just want to Brown. buy you guys a steak. You ever thought well, of that? Buy it. No, I didn't. Over under Heisman Trophy for Josh Burrell. So no. Subpart so F, if we win the ACC this year, can we start peddling a theory that Newberg was cursed? Oh, my God. All right. Uh, <laughs> Dude, stick the landing. I thought uh, you were Mad, I, Mad County, no. What bourbon are you popping if FSU pulls out the win? Against Duquesne? <laughs> <laughs> Against Duquesne? It'd be a massive upset. All right. That's everything. Uh, getting out of here, fellas. I want to say check on the bench feed tomorrow. There will be a preview of FSU versus Duquesne with Trey Rowland and the one and only Dane Draper. He's been, he's been researching depth charts. He's been breaking down film, going through advanced analytics, and he's going to tell you everything you need to know about FSU's week zero opponent. Uh, we're going to try to do a little bit different as, uh, opponent preview stuff this season with uh with dane because he is so very adept seriously at like doing research and and paying attention to what's happening across college football so i think him and trey will be fun to listen to together check that out on friday morning finally fellas uh season prediction win loss record i know we did the the decimal points and whatnot the other day uh now what does your heart tell you what's your depth heart tell you for fsu's season prediction i will start us off 
seven and five. Yeah, I'm still sitting at seven and five, hoping for more, but sitting at seven and five. I'm the pessimist. I think six and six. What? Get out of here. You think six and six is more likely than eight and four? Yes. Based yes. on based on the yeah. decimal point stuff we did, Chris, think about we're this, closer Chris. to six than eight. That was a question, have... not me being a, a yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, just asking. Um Jordan Travis is the key to you winning games, I think, right? Like without him, yes. it's a completely different ballgame. Um, and he has not shown throughout his career that he can stay healthy for an entire season. Obviously, the hope is that that happens. They want to scale back his running so that he's at less risk of, of uh, getting injured. But, you know, it could happen. Um, and if that does happen, I'm not confident that can they can win much of their, especially the back half of their schedule, right? Like it, it's going to be tough. Um, if he misses any games. So that's my thought. Um, I think it's more likely that he gets injured for, or he sits out one game than doesn't sit out the entire season. Um, and that makes me think that that six and six is more likely than an eight and four. I would like to be proven wrong though. Please prove me wrong. FSU. How pessimistic of you, you know, just for that, you have to, you have to end the podcast here. For being for such Brennan a negative Finone, Nancy. AKA Mr. Four Center Drafter, uh, Christopher Knee, Mr. Optimist, and Zach Blossin. This was on the bench. Tune in tomorrow for the Dane Draper and Trey Rowland special. Um, and we'll have a bunch more content heading into the Duquesne game this weekend. Stay tuned. Thank you guys for listening. And go Knowles. You cannot. Do question. Plus love sticking in. Have you heard of Nordic Knots? The Scandinavian rug company that has become the insider brand gracing some of the most beautiful homes around the world? With rug designs by some of the world's leading designers and a signature collection of wool and jute rugs in modern colors? But Nordic Knots is not just about great design. Their mission is to make quality rugs that last, with no compromises. Goodweave certified, handmade pieces woven in all natural materials. At NordicKnots.com, it's easy to find a rug that's just right. A curated collection in lots of colors and sizes to choose from. Even custom sizes are possible. So, whether you're the type who loves the understated elegance of their luxury essentials or the bold statements from their top designer collaborations, you can't really go wrong. Oh, and don't tell anyone, but right now, you can get a free sample with the code INNERCIRCLE. NordicKnots.com.